last time I was successful was when I was a, I was a junior in high school. I finally got away. By that time, he had lost interest in me, but I was still being used to help the little kids, you know, to to watch them when they were in, in the truck or did, to watch them when we were at the warehouse or watch lose, them when they were making film. Did they lose interest in you because you were too old? I was too old. And I they, had entered puberty. That's when they stopped, they stopped you know. There were, there were, don't get me wrong, there were men that wanted uh, pubescent kids. There were, you know, early, you know, early to late teens. And they were the ones that were far more abusive than the ones that, that took me as a child. You know, that's when they liked the whips and the chains and the, you know, and it's just like, you know. And was that? wanted to handcuff you and were, hog tie you. Wow. Okay. Were those part of that man-boy love group, or was that also part of the ritual abuse? I never really knew who was a member of what I call Nambla now. But, you know, this, the symbol that I saw on Pizzagate, the triangular, kind of like a, a circle, but it's in tri a triangle where it goes deeper and deeper in a 3D type look. Mm -hmm. That was a symbol they used to use that, you know, signified that this was the right place. They would put that on, you know, let's say the outside of the warehouse on, on a garage door, you know, spray painted on or whatever. Um, sometimes it was just a sign that they would take down when they, when they had who was expected to come because they didn't want the police cruising a, a business that was closed to find that there were people in there filming kids. So when you saw that, other things. when you saw that symbol on the Pizzagate thing, it was an absolute hundred percent. You knew what that meant. It rang about. Oh yeah, I knew what the hell it meant right away. Now, so, when the hell Pizzagate comes in, I think it's strictly a Clinton thing because I don't remember pizza being given to anybody. Yeah, they bought pizza for the kids once in a while, um, kind of keep us quiet because it was past our bedtime or past our dinner time, where they buy hamburgers. You know, and McDonald's wasn't around, so we didn't have things like that. So Maybe a local burger place would be ordered the burgers or pizza or whatever. So when you saw this stuff, you saw the emails, you saw the same symbology that you saw growing up, and yet nothing happened or that we know of at this point, and the media covered it up. How did that make you feel? It makes me feel very, very angry, uh, I, especially now that uh, I know you know, Pizzagating implements Hillary Clinton and her clan. Well, and those emails talking about the kids that were going to be entertainment later, and they had their ages that they stated, and they're all under 12. And they went to the island. I'm sorry. You know, ahead. I was never taken yeah. to an island. The, the only place that I was taken at was, like I said, that nudist camp. And they had a cabin way in the back, and I, we had to do a little hike up to it. And so it was away from the basic nudist camp. Um, and it, again, my father called it camp. We're going to camp. And sometimes he would only take me and the family wouldn't go. My stepmother didn't like it. And so, again, and I, I kind of associate their gatherings, except it's some island somewhere in the, in the Pacific, or no, the Atlantic, and an airplane that gets them there. I forgot who the name of the guy was that is very wealthy. It has a jet plane, and they have sex on the plane until they get to the island. And then they have, you know, I, I couldn't read too much of that um, because it made me angry, and I start to boil, and sometimes I, I have nightmares. Even now, I still get some nightmares of it. As a matter of fact, I had one last night, and I woke up about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I did not want to go back to bed. did not want to go to sleep.
Well, so. how many of these powerful people, politicians, do you think are involved in this? Well, at the time, the Congress wasn't as big as it is now. I would say there was about 210 people in Congress at the time. There were still 50 senators. But I would say that the at least a third of the Senate, maybe a third of the Congress was involved with it. Um, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't remember names or anything like that, but, but just based you know, on recognized faces on the television at that time. Okay. Um, the Vietnam was going on and that was the kind of thing that, you know, Senator would be talking about trying to get, you know, more money for the Vietnamese conflict or trying to stop Vietnam war. Usually the Democrats were trying to stop it. The Republicans were trying to fight it, but yet, you know, at a young age, I became more mean towards the Republican party. Because I felt safe with it. And I would say most of the people that I recognize were all Democrats, even then. And that's because your father was a Democrat. But do you think it was just as yes. prevalent on both sides? Or do you think it was more prevalent in the Democratic Party? Or don't you really know? I think it's more prevalent, more prevalent in the Democratic Party. I really do believe that. Because um, very, very rarely was there a Republican. And it could have been because it was, he was involved with the Democratic Party. He was high in the, what would be the, the DNC of California. I don't know what they called it then. Um, but he was in charge of fundraising and God knows what else. So he knew a lot of these people, up close and personal. So, and that's where... Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, do you think the other people who weren't involved, if there was about a third involved, do you think the other two-third knew that this was going on? Was it common no. knowledge, or do you think it was pretty secret? I think it was pretty secret. Um, the thing is, is that they, they had passwords that they would do. And, you know, I remember that, that sometimes they'd have a password. There would be mentioned the door because I was with my father when he gave a password. Um, so, yeah. I think they, they knew who was who. And they, they didn't dare talk about it in public. You know, they might say, I'm going to the ice cream store tonight. Are you going to... Um, yeah, what are you going to be doing? Oh, I thought about going to the ice cream store. Oh, so they talk in code. Oh, and then they would know who's... They talk in code. And then they'd know who was who. You stated that yeah, you... they used the, the ice cream store, not the, not the, pizza, not the pizza place. Not, okay. not a pizza place. <laughs> Could <laughs> that have changed? Place. Or is it just... Because um, the, the pizza place had the symbol you were talking about. Yeah, I know they did. I think it was just a symbol used for identifying, again, where events are going to be held. Okay. And and I do remember NAMBLA. I was finding all kinds of NAMBLA information with my father's stuff and, and in, his, in his documents. He never mentioned any Democratic, you know, organized type sexual thing. He did mention some people that were involved with, like, Fox, uh, not Fox Television, not Fox. Um, it was the 20th Century Fox. Mm-hmm is, you know, there were people within, because in the old days, movie stars were contracted to a movie producer or movie movie company, whether it was uh, Fox or, or uh, any of the other big ones. I forgot some of them. I'm just kind of drawn over the California book. But um, in the old days, you had to borrow a movie star to star in one of your movies. And so, again, these people had young actors that they would bring out uh, or young people that were in television series, you know, and, and I, 
like I said, I was on the side, one of the sci-fi people that was young. He was probably about my age, about eight or nine. Very bright young man. And was he gang raped too? Uh, I don't know whether he was gang raped. I know that he was raped, you know, and then again, a lot of times they would perform fellatio on you or try to get, you know, kids have a tendency not to, to climax until they're early teens, but we still had what's called a dry climax, you know, but it, it didn't happen as often as in the, some adults. Some adults could climax three or four times in an hour. Um, and even as a teenager, I couldn't do that myself, but it's, and, and they would give us a chance to calm down, put us in a room with the television on. And again, we were drugged, so we were you know, pretty much happy-go-lucky. And then they would come and get us later when we'd had a time to kind of refresh ourselves. And they'd give us another drug and we'd take it again. And then in we would go. Um, and I do remember there was someone who took care of the hurt kids, kids that were bleeding. Um, ice packs and that type of thing. There was always an ice uh, chest available. You know, so did they ever take them to the hospital? Pretty, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. I do know that some kids look pretty hurt and needed to go to a hospital. Mm. And again, like I said, some of these 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 kids and, and mostly around nine to thirteen or fourteen that ran away are the ones that I would suspect were ended up murdered and killed. Um, because the the kids that I saw constantly on the, on the van that went to Palm Springs. And I, I did that for about four or five years. Um, and every time he wanted to go, I was, or, you know, the more conniption I would have and threaten him to tell people. And he, of course, threatened me that if, he, if I did, it would be the last time I told anybody anything. But, and I think he was afraid of people too. Uh, because I knew that sometimes he didn't want to do something that they were forcing him to do. Oh. You know, this, the whole organization has been around for a long time. I see, saw it in the movie industry. I saw it in the vocal recording industry. I saw it in politics. And I just saw some people that had money. Uh, you know, when I saw Joe Biden put his hands on somebody on the television, he, he likes to have kids close to him. I cringe. And as an adult, if I had a 9mm or 45mm handgun, I'd have probably shot him on the spot. When he, when he gropes kids, and it's for a political photograph, he always brings the young kid to him. And I never saw him you know, having sex with kids, but he's the kind of molester that I can spot a mile away and smell them long before they arrive. How do you know that? Um, oh, just his mannerisms, hon. His okay. mannerisms. Watch some of, you know, you can go on YouTube and find, you know, pictures of him where there's family gatherings, people that are there for some, some award or something. If they, and even other politicians have small kids, he'll come up and pull the kids to him. And sometimes you see his hand go on the breast of an eight-year-old. Mm-hmm. Or you'll see him uh, grab a butt of a, of a five-year-old boy. You know, it's like, I just want to shoot him myself. I really do. And the fact that he's so, I want to say, blatant about it. If you next time you see Joe Biden and then you watch any video and there's kids involved, watch what he he's a magnet to him. Huh. And it's, it kills me that nobody has really done anything about it or, or said anything publicly about it. Well, I have some, seen some videos on it, but nothing that concrete. Do you see this in other politicians as well? 
I can, uh, but it's kind of like a, I want to call it a preservatory sixth sense. You know, you have a tendency when, when you've experienced so many different things throughout the years that in nowadays I call it gaydar. Okay. I, I, I did come out of the closet after I was married for 24 years because I always wanted to have my kids grow up in a normal family with a father and a mother. When my kids turned 19 is when I came out of the closet. But it's, it's a consciousness that you see in people. I can spot a gay man in a room of a thousand men or women, especially if it's all women. I can spot a gay man in half a second flat. Or I find a man in there. But among men, I could spot a gay man a mile away. If there's a lot of men, I know who's, who's the gay one or the gay several. And so I kind of call it a, an ESP, if you will. So you can spot. But I can sense. Yeah. And so I can sense their intentions right straight away. So how many are there in our society? I say there's a lot. Like one lot. out of ten? Not everybody that holds a child. Oh, I'd say it's probably about four out of ten. Forty percent of our people. You know, it's 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 not being attracted to children. They're trying. I just read something that they're trying to pass it off as an orientation. That's, no. No, it's not an orientation. You have the ability to make a decision what's right and what's wrong. And they choose to do the wrong thing with the child. That's not an orientation. I had no choice to, you know, to be gay. I knew I was gay from the time I was 10 or 11 years old. And I think a lot of pedophiles are attracted to, to homosexual boys because they know that we won't fight as much. We're fascinated with, with male genitalia but we were still terrified by the things that they did to us well, yeah, so you're a child. they found it easier I was a child I had no control you know I probably be honest and not speak bluntly here I didn't have an orgasm until I was about 13 14 years old and then I didn't know what, what it was you know it scared me um, I mean I should have known what it was and I, I kind of did, but didn't want to admit that I was getting that old. Um, because every time I associated an orgasm, it was with an old man. And, you know, granted, a 35-year-old would appear to an old man to a 9-year-old. But, you know, and one thing that I want to emphasize to your listeners is that although it is 90% fact that children, or, or um, let me start with this, Adults who, I don't want to wear this. I want to be very political about this. Mm, let me give, some, give it some thought here. Uh, okay, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. I was going to say molesters, but I'm going to go ahead and use that anyway. Molesters know uh, that they have a high probability that they themselves will become a molester and go with it. First instinct, they say, okay, well, I'll just go ahead and grab this nine-year-old and rape him. But it's even though that most molesters were molested as children, most children that were molested do not become molesters, but we can spot them a mile away because we've been conditioned to do so. Hmm. Self-preservation. Does that make sense? It does make sense, yeah. So... Let's get into this journal a little bit more that your dad had. What did okay. you What did you learn from this journal? What did you see in it? But it the, what I learned it was big business. 
I mean, when I tallied up the, uh, you know, I, I was I'm pretty good at math, and I can pretty much do a lot of mathematics in my head. But when I tallied up the the, the period of time when we got our swimming pool in, in, in installed in the house, the swimming pool was, you know, very expensive at the time, and not many people had them. But during the period of time, my father raised about thirty thousand dollars from what he was doing. And so that told me where the money from the swimming pool came from. You know, so, and then $30,000 in 1960, 62, no, it would have been about 1959. No, about 1964, 63, somewhere in that period of time. That would have been a lot of money. You know, today's it would have been like $300,000. Yep. So did you see any... So that told me where... Did you see any national level politicians or was it mostly like state level and local and celebrities? Well, the fact that the governor of, of, of uh, the person who was governor of Arizona, I recognized him from the television. And uh, also they sometimes made the mistake of calling each other by their real name, their first name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, I could put two and two together. I'm not stupid. And, uh, but I would say it's mostly, I want to say it's organized by state. You know, if I had to do a really good guess, it's or, because the documentation my father had was intense. Now, I don't know if he was doing it for himself or if he was doing it for a group or everybody that was there. I know that the, the younger period of when I was young, when he got the swimming pool, I know that it was him. It was his money. But later on, you know, when I saw tens of thousands of dollars coming through for a fundraiser that were not put into the fundraising because that's not where the money was intended for. Um, I think like the, the events out in, in, in the desert, I'm sure that those cost whoever went out there ten to $15,000 just for the night. And, and we're talking late 50s. And did, did they treat the girls differently than the boys or was it the same? Uh, pretty much differently because there were some, you know, because a pedophile doesn't care if it's a boy or a girl. Um, the, the men I think that are inclined to being gay preferred the boy children, the boys. And again, that's what I was tuned into so I could identify who the gay were. And I never saw them with the girls. I never did. Well, but these, again, it's not, it's opportunity. It's, it's, it's power that they have over the children. Usually makes them pedophiles. It's not that they're they're looking for a boy or a girl, usually. But if they had their rathers and there's more girls and boys, you were probably going to take the boy if you're a gay gay man who's sure. in the closet, has a family of his own. Now, how could you tell the difference? They would much rather molest somebody other kid. Go go ahead. They they could probably they were more prevalent to molest another child than their own. And how could you tell the difference between, like, when it was a Satanist abuse? How, when they did that, uh, what was the ceremony? What did they do differently to you than just what a pedophile would do? Well, they would beat us, usually spankings. A lot of them were into spankings. And uh, they would start with that. And a lot of times they were abusive in, in the way that they would toss us around. And they didn't care what they shoved into us. To them, it was erotic. Um, you know, I remember cucumbers. And, you know, in, in a nine-year-old, a cucumber that's about an inch and a half in diameter 
does not normally fit into a nine-year-old. And so, but they took great pleasure, which is where the bleeding would come in. Did they like um, the bleeding? Did they get off on hurting the child? Oh yeah, they got the. Some of them, the more blood that they had, the the more they got off. And thank God, I rarely had that happen to me because, again, my father was in the group, so he made sure that I didn't get hurt like some of the other kids did, which was lucky for me. But still, I went through a lot, and I witnessed a lot. I would be, you know, in the room where they would collect the kids. It was always under lock and key. We couldn't get out of this room, and they had a porta potty there to, to for us to use. And the thing is, is that I saw the results when they put him back in the room. Now, when we were in the city, in like in a warehouse or whatever, I never knew. I assumed that these kids were going to be cleaned up before the parents picked them up. But I don't know if that was the case because some kids were pretty beat up. I mean, I remember seeing broken legs and broken arms and uh, eyes just swollen to where they couldn't see through it. Oh, you know, they actually got beatings by whoever they went with. And these were when you were doing this satanic stuff or just when you did anything? Well, pretty much anything. You know, it's, there are, you know, there are abusive men in marriages that beat their wives and beat their children and keep saying, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to hurt you. And the wife takes them back. They become kind of a misogynistic, I, I, just, I don't even know that's the word that they want to use. But they know that they have nowhere else to go. So they put up with the beatings. And so the thing is, is that these, uh, these adults, when they don't have a way to trace it back, unless this group gave up their information. And I don't ever remember ever having a raid. Never. And it was never at the same place twice in a row. We reused facilities but it could be two months down the road. How long would this go on? Till dawn, usually. So it would... We'd arrive, you know, right at dusk, but eight or nine o'clock in the evening, sometimes later. And sometimes my father would get me up in the middle of the night and say, well, come on, we're going for a ride. And I thought, okay, here it comes. I just knew what the ride meant. And sometimes that was about midnight or one o'clock in the morning, and it would go until dawn. So, but when you were actually the one on stage, if you will, how long did that last? On the average, a couple hours. Oh, my God. And they would pass you around. And we were, sometimes they did. I've been multiple raped, you know, and it's, I guess they call it gangbanging now. Um, but, yeah, I remember being taken by as many as five or six. And then after that, I go unconscious, and I don't know how many actually went. Oh my gosh! So they would—they would still—they would. Still, they would... I, I could barely walk. Man. And you were one of the ones that weren't I hurt. I ended. It. I was one of the ones that wasn't hurt, but I was raped. Yeah, because it was forceful. They didn't care, you know, whether it hurt or whether I bled or anything like that, and. I remember, had, you know, my, my father having tampons in the car to stop the bleeding. So it's like, okay, maybe that's what these are for. Now, were you aware of whether there was any law enforcement involved? Uh, on occasions, there were. They never were in uniform, but I knew they were cops because of the way they were dressed. You know, someone would call them officer, 
You know, like, okay, that's obvious. You know, and I didn't think it was an officer, like a president or a vice president. I, I thought it was an officer as a person of the law. Um, mostly in, in outside of Los Angeles, when we went outside of L.A., like towards uh, uh, Palm Springs is not a good but up towards Vegas, um, in that direction, by San Bernardino, I guess it would have been, there was uh, a place that had at least three or four cops because the police cars were outside, but we didn't know who the cops were. How can normal they were county mounties. How can normal people identify who these people are so that they can we can start doing something about this? Well, first of all, believe the child. Always believe the child when they start coming up to that kind of stuff. Because the kids, first of all, are terrified. And if they do tell you, they're going to be in a terrified state when they do tell you. And secondly, is that if you suspect by watching them, it's just like Joe Biden. I'm using him as an example because this is blatant. It's like he's, like he's slapping everybody in the face, like, watch what I can do as vice president. And... Uh, you really have, just have to watch what's going on, who's doing what. And then, you know, if I were a parent, I would actually put a, a, a detective on them and see if, if they're constantly around the company of children, that type of thing. You know, those are the kind of guys that would go to the park and kidnap a kid long enough to have sex and then let him go. And the kid wouldn't talk because he was too embarrassed. Um, but these people have, I want to say an MO, modus operandus can be identified if you know what signs to look for. I would say that they need to read a lot about pedophilia. And it's not a tasteful subject. A lot of people don't even want to buy the book because of the title. But in these in these books, you know, they they definitely talk about the psychological profiles of these people. Um, and do you think that's I, different? I, do you think that's different than the satanic profile? Yeah, it's kind of hard to identify who's into satanic type stuff. They they like it as the dark side, if you would. You know, it, it, it's an, it's another form of getting getting off. You know, especially being naked in a black robe. Uh, I don't think it has anything to do with the devil, but it's just at least now I don't. Then I thought they were all Satan myself, um, but I was too young to really you know to differentiate. Why don't you think it's the but, devil? Why don't you think it's like an evil thing? It's evil. I will give give you that. It is evil, but it's all psychological profiles of these people. Just like you have your your modus operandi of, of people that are mass murderers, whether it be uh, uh, what's his name that was killing all the boys. I don't know, forgot his name. Jeffrey Dahmer was. He was arrested. Was... Yeah, Jeffrey Dahmer. Dahmer. You know, the thing is, is he even had one that got away, went to a cop, and he told him that it was his son, his, his son, and he got him back. And that's when afterwards he killed him. You know, it's like people don't realize what the M.O. they're looking for. Um, you know, if I saw a naked boy out on the streets and the kid's trying to get away from the father, even then that would be a trip to the, to the uh, police station. You know, it's just not normal for a kid to be, A, naked in the street, and B, uh, under the circumstances, believe that it is, that the father, you know, wasn't doing something hokey with it. Well, how, how do you maintain your peace now? I know that you 
had some threats against Most your life. Most these people are dead. Can, Most of these people are dead now. Can you talk? I'm about, 65. Can you talk about the threats against your life and how that occurred and how you got away from that? My father was involved with a school called the McMartin School in Glendale, California. And this is where a lot of the kids were used during the day when their parents were to work, they would drop their kids off to this day school. And at night, there were some kids that were, you know, would, the parents were gone for the weekend. So they also had like an opportunity to have these kids for the weekend. They pay extra for it. But this is where the filming that went on in that house that I was telling you about, there was empty on both sides except for the house in the basement where the filming was done. Um, one of the things that I did later in life, and you might hear my cat, he wants to be involved in the conversation. But what happened later in life was that the, uh, I got a phone call from the prosecuting attorney for the McMartin School. The McMartins were going to be prosecuted for all kinds of things regarding pornography and trafficking and that type of thing with children. And they wanted me to testify for the plaintiff only because my father was actually on their records as one who provided children for them. And he was deceased at the time. But they asked, you know, they started asking questions about, you know, and I told them I was involved. I know what's going on. I was a child that, that they did this with. And I told them where the house was and how we did it and what they did and how long we were there and who was involved. I knew the McMartins. And on the surface, they were nice people. But behind the scenes, they were mean as hell to the kids. Well, I'll make the long story short, about two weeks later, I get a call from somebody at 2 o'clock in the morning, and they're threatening my life and my family's life if I testified. And how they knew who I was, I had no idea. But it didn't take me long to put two and two together. I changed my name to a foreign name. I'm not going to say what it was or what nationality. But then I turned around and went one better. I'm a highly educated man. I speak eight languages. I have two master's degrees, and I have a doctorate. And the thing is, is that I knew I could get a job anywhere I wanted to on the planet. So I made it a point to get a job to the nationality that I changed my name to, and I learned to speak that language fluently. If these people wanted to come after me, they were going to have a, a search on their hands and not know exactly who or where I was. And so I was there for 10 years, and my kids learned to speak the language fine, and um, I didn't come back to the States until my company that I was working for over there wanted me to come and manage one of their, their uh, computer centers you know, in the United States for two of their new factories. And that's when I came back to the States. At that point, I still, you know, I'd already changed my name, so it was under my new name. And I really hadn't been, at that point is when I began to breathe again. I wasn't worried about somebody, you know, coming up in the middle of the night, snatching my kids and killing them because they wanted to keep me quiet. Um, so that's why when all of this started to resurface with Clinton Foundation and Pizzagate and some of the people that I knew of at the time, um, I just didn't want to, I, I didn't, I, I, it's like, okay. Um, it was time to do something about it. And 
even now with Pizzagate coming out, I was able to put a lot of these things behind me. You know, it was history that happened, get on, move, move on with my life. And I have to admit, I was very successful in my life. I did what I wanted to do. I got to see the world and have a, a, a large corporation that, that is known worldwide for its computer systems. You know, pay my airfare with business or first class, stay in five-star hotels, even five-star restaurants, and manage projects up to $60 million. You know, so I was successful. I made something of myself. And I've always been right there for my kids. Anytime they had a problem, they called me, and there I was. Just recently, I went and collected my grandson. You know, he was kicked out of the house by my daughter. And he's living with me now. And he knows a lot of, I talked to him about this phone call that we were going to have and what it was about. And he didn't really want to know too much more. So the thing is, is that I moved on. But again, this has kind of opened some scabs of the wounds, this whole thing with, with the, the Clinton Foundation and Pizzagate. As I read things, and I, there was a video on, online on YouTube that I believe uh, I forwarded to you or got the information to you, and you could see it. And after that, I just broke down and cried. What specific? I saw myself. Go ahead. I saw myself in that boy that was interviewed by the police. You mean the um, the boy in the UK, those that little girl and little yes. boy. Yeah. And so what he was yes. saying, what those two little the girl and boy was saying in the UK, that is what you guys experienced. So you knew what they were saying was true. Oh, and I knew that the boy was lying about some of the things that he that he did. Um. And that's where you know it really upset me, and that. It was the same kind of thing I would do. Can you hold on a second? Sure. So, um, one thing again, those... I, I do know. One thing the little boy and little girl talked about was the fact that they had to kill babies or they saw babies get killed. That's an experience you didn't get to see. Is that correct? No, but I saw some kids that were pretty battered. That you think might have died. You know, so that I most likely did. How about, um, but I never saw a dead you, child. Did you? Do you think that happened? Like ever, most of those satanic rituals. Do you think there was a few that got killed each time? I suspect it, but I never had proof of it. Mm. So do you think a lot of these children so, are not able to recover? Because you were. You had a successful life. You you figured it out. But do you think a lot of children... I, channel, I channeled my hatred to success. Some kids will just turn around and kill themselves. Mm -hmm. Well, so. what, do you, what do you think um, you want to do now? Because you, you came out and you wanted to share your story. Why did you want to share your story now? I think it's because people need to understand that it happened from way back when. It's nothing new. It's just more organized. So do you and think organized it's... by very powerful people. Now it is. Now it is. Yeah, so it now was it's, then. It was then, and now it's almost, they, they got their system down even better now. Well, the thing is with the advent of the internet and everybody has a computer in their home, that type of thing, you know, it makes sense that this is what they would do. Do you think if the law you know, enforcement... would be more successful now. 
if the law enforcement wanted to take these guys down that they and they did a hardcore effort that they could really make a huge dent in this and pretty much wipe it out to a certain degree well i know there was a police officer in des moines iowa that i owe my life to and he he knew but he was trying to gather information about uh my father and but he he would take me out of the house whenever he could. If his son had a birthday party or if they were going to go see a new movie, he would be sure that I was part of part of his group. And he does not realize that what he did for me saved my life. Do you think, did he, did he, go ahead. And I never had a chance to really thank him, but it was the way he treated me. It made me feel like I was worth being saved. I, I, you know, he's just such a good man, and I never had a chance to thank him because he's the one that turned my life around. And he was a cop that actually arrested me for trying to run away again in the Blue Mountain. So, did he know? Do you anyway, think? I never told him. But he suspected. Well, our child welfare system isn't very good. So, not at all. You know, reporting kids to authorities, you know, you need to do that. But a lot of kids get raped more in the system than they do outside the system. Exactly. So what do we and do? You put them into the system, they'll always be in the system. Well, I think there need to be. Uh, parents, you know, or places such as my home that they know would be safe. You know, my grandson is living with me now. And uh, I think that, you know, I've often thought about, you know, becoming a, a halfway house for social services, you know, kids that are abused or, or beaten, mm-hmm. you know, because I have an ex- had an extra bedroom until my grandson came to live with me. But he was technically being abused and, and beaten by his mother. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why he's here and he dropped out of school and I got him enrolled in school. He's actually going back to get his diploma. He's 19 and, uh, I haven't had any problems. I don't see any of the problems that I was reported that he, he was into and doing not happening here. Didn't happen here. Haven't seen it here. Mm-hmm. So I think it all depends on the environment that they're in. Um, and certainly you're right. The, the social services, needs to have people who have A, experience, B, overcome, and C, qualified to take these kids in. Yeah, and what's funny is I love kids. I really do. Um, they're, they're exciting to watch, you know, be excited. Um, and I, there's neighbor kids here that play basketball. The basketball hoop is in front of my apartment. And I watch them play basketball all the time, and I'm always joking about them that maybe they should try taking a ping pong instead. <laughs> uh, but my grandchildren are all in Idaho, except for the one who just moved in here with me. And he's become friends with these kids, so now he's part of them. But it's just nice to see a normal kid being normal. Absolutely. It kind of puts things in perspective, doesn't it? It really does. And there are families, and, and these kids, you know, by all means, are not from wealthy families. They're from families that, that sometimes have a tough time making ends meet, but they succeed. These are happy kids. 
And, you know, I think that's great. And I, and I think there are a lot of kids that deserve that and haven't gotten even, you know, that when they get taken away from a bad situation. Well, we don't have that much time left. So is there anything that you want to say before we wrap this up? No, I think that's pretty much it. We've pretty much covered everything from A to Z. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. And I do hope this helps people understand really what's going on and that this is a serious issue that needs to be taken care of. We, the last thing we want is the worst of our society leading. And this is what we have right now. We have the worst leading us. I do have hope. I do think Donald Trump has done a hell of a lot, a lot more than I ever expected. He was not my candidate of choice, but Ms. Clinton was not my candidate of choice at all. Um, and I could see her corruption and, and her sin, you know, like it was right in her face. And the other gentleman was, of course, Sanders, and he got, again, bullied by Ms. Clinton. So I was left with one vote. But I think Trump has done a hell of a job as our president for the first year. I'm not, I'm not doing, saying anything to be political, but he certainly has surpassed any expectation I ever had of him. So, and he blows thank you Clinton for your away. Time, hon. Okay, well, thank you so much, and I hope oh, you, yeah. I hope you have a great rest of the day. And if I'd really like to see you get involved and help these children, I think people like you. I know it's painful, but I think people like you could make a huge difference. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate your time, and uh, I look forward to uh, hearing our story on, online. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you.